Okay, we are live with my good friend Shannon Torrance. She is a voice actor and she's also the host of the podcast Magic is Real. Welcome, Shannon. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. I'm a big fan of your show, guys. <laughs> you were you were actually one of the, one of the original fans. Like you and I knew each other when I was in my early 20s. Um, and then uh, when you were working, you were working the, do the, the door at room five, which was a uh, music venue that no longer exists. And uh -huh. um, we got to know each other well then. And then we didn't talk for a while. And then you watched my our podcast and then you you we, we reconnected after that. So that's right. Which I'm, I'm very, very grateful for that. Uh, uh, happening too. yeah Me um too. so shannon's podcast magic is real is essentially you interview everybody from people who have had either death experiences that they they came back from to spiritual mediums to i i'm trying to think of like the vast array of different people you've interviewed uh can you kind of list some of these different you've occupations been you've been doing your homework so, yeah <laughs> um yeah i i interview i've been doing a lot of near-death experience uh, testimonies right now and um, started with mediums just because I knew a lot of mediums and um, yeah anything from psychics mediums I'm actually having um, someone who's a manifesting coach on soon I had an astrologer because I always wondered yeah you know how do we know astrology works and what how how does that all work what are these charts um, so yeah just anything metaphysical really and I even interviewed a guy who's more he is a medium but he's more of a paranormal investigator background um, and he speaks to spirits using a spirit box which is super creepy but really interesting and cool so whenever you talk to like some of these types of people are there any any ones and obviously you wouldn't call them out by name but it's like anyone that comes through the works i know you're, you're you're i should probably make my my stance clear is that like yeah. i i've never really had any experience that i've found to be profound but there are some strange things like you know, we, you and I have talked about how we're, we're very like sensitive to the world and these kinds of things. And my sense of danger and like when it's coming, even before it comes is really high. It, it's, it's strange. It's like the world starts to vibrate and then I notice something's about to happen. So, and it's such an unusual thing that happens, um, that I I'm open to any idea that anything is possible in terms of, you know, what is not necessarily represented in the metaphysical, like in front of our face or whatever, but um, so that that being said, and you're you're as open minded, you probably are more than I am uh, just by default. But is there anybody you've had on or who's in some sort of uh, occupation that you have actually been dubious of the things that they've they say they can do? Um, I think the thing is, like with especially with mediumship, and I also am studying to be a medium and I could go on about that because I came from the same place you do, which agnostic, mm -hmm. like I'm open to it. I don't know unless I see it, unless I can you know, I need to understand it. I need to see it with my own eyes or I'm not going to believe it. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't even realize that. I mean, I used to watch all the medium shows, Tyler Henry, Long Island Medium. And I was like, mm -hmm. there's no way. I get that TV's edited. And but if you're telling me all those people who are sobbing are actors, then move over Meryl Streep, because mm -hmm. how are these people? There's no way that some of the whether whether or not it's all edited, it's still happening. So 
I always thought, well, I want to be a medium and I'm answering your question, mm -hmm. by the way, in a cir circuitous fashion. Um, I always thought, well, you just have to be born with this gift, like Matt Frazier or whatever. You have to just sort of have it. And so I would watch it obsessively, but didn't learn that you could actually, everyone is a medium, mm -hmm. like you said, because you are a sensitive person. Anyone who taps into their sensitivity and is able to tune out all the distractions is going to receive messages from whatever you want to call it, the other side, another dimension, just the particles in the air that, that we can't see with our naked eye, but is there. Um, and so I learned that you actually can learn to tune into to this, this frequency. So the, well, the problem with that is, um, Everyone I've asked to be on the show, I've asked because I've watched them work and I know that they're legit, mm -hmm. um, at least from what I've seen, obviously. Yeah. But the thing is with mediums especially, or with really any of this stuff, um, the only way to know that they're... I mean, someone could fake it, I'm sure. They wouldn't last very long because people would start to say this didn't resonate with me but i think in mediumship it's also that we're human so when i do a reading for someone i'm not always right you know because i'm still learning and so are professional mediums sometimes your own thoughts float in when i'm setting my intention before i read and i say hey okay sean i, I want to read for sean i want all of his loved ones to come in strong for me i want them to give me strong validation and then i kind of go i don't go into a trance or anything i just set that intention that I'm focusing on the spirit world. And then, yeah, sometimes I'll be like, I see a rabbit. And he's like, I don't know. And sometimes the next day, the person will write me and say, oh my gosh, he had a rabbit like collection or whatever. Oh. Like, he <laughs> but sometimes it's just that as I'm kind of zoning out or kind of zoning in, tuning in, I'm also, my own thoughts are kind of floating by. So the problem with mediumship in general is it's not a perfect science. And that's why it's so easy if you're a skeptic to say, oh, well, they didn't get that right. Well, if you're if you're a psychic or a medium, then what's my what did my mom say to me the day of, you know, August 25th, 1982? And it's like, that's not how it works. So for sure. And, you know, and I think what's also yeah. tough is like what's tough about that particular, you know, uh, you know, being in that line of or that kind of work or, you know, being interested in that field is there are so many charlatans that are good at cold reading, like very good yeah. at it. Uh -huh. and, 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 I, and I think that like a lot of people are very susceptible to to being manipulated. So it's like, you know, Absolutely. if you so people that are very good at just digging things out of people like um, and a lot, I mean, I've, even just getting people to be really transparent about their life, it's just when you ask, because so seldom are people asked questions that are, you know, personal or whatever. And then, so when they are asked them, they either can just close down, but a lot of people just are like, oh, I, I want to share. Here's like, here's all my baggage and you can hold it and decide what you want to do with it. But it, it's almost like kind of similar with chiropractors, how like you go to ones that will, will actually help. And then you go to some that are like, here's our 90 day wellness program is going to be you know, $40,000 and we'll bill your PPO for that. And it's just, and then they don't really do anything. And so it's, it's tough because I think that a very interesting field of, um, you know, uh, uh, you know, you know, I think that let, let's call it like alternative mental health or, or something along those lines, um, gets discredited by the amount of, uh, charlatans that sort of, uh, invade the space, you know? Especially when there's money involved. And that's actually one of the reasons why I don't charge yet because mm -hmm. I don't feel I've, I have been getting great feedback, but I'm not 100. I don't want to take someone's money 
unless I know that I am going to be consistent across the board. Even the best mediums in the world have off days and they'll say, you know what, I'm going to give you your money back because I wasn't really on target today. But it should be that it's more often than not, I feel really strong about where I'm, that I'm like, I feel like they got what they paid for. And oh, computer binging on the other room. <laughs> um, um, and it's not mine, so I don't know how to stop it. But uh, <laughs> you know, it's, uh, that's the thing is that right now, that's why I give them for free because everybody's appreciative for what they did get out of it. And there, every single time I do a reading, I leave there going, did I just read their body language? Like, could this, how did I know that? And I even go into that, oh, you know, even though I believe in this stuff, my old skeptic monkey mind comes in and goes, wait a second, is there any way I could have just followed subtle prompts? Is this mm -hmm. a psychological game? And if it weren't for this and enough wouldn't be, my doing it myself wouldn't be enough for me to be convinced. It's seeing other mediums work where I'm like, there's literally no way that anyone could know that. Mm -hmm. So one mm -hmm. of my mentors said, one of the things I always ask spirit is, show me something that my sitter was thinking that they haven't told anybody. And I sat in with one of his readings the other day, cause he's training me. And he said something, you were just thinking this, that, and that. And she's like, yes, I was. And she starts crying. He's like, that's how, that's the validation. Because I asked them there, how could I know what she was thinking? You're right. Now you could get lucky and go, She's probably feeling this. Um, but yeah, even sometimes I think I second guess it every day because it's so weird. It's like, how did I know that she had some accident at work while wearing Timberland shoes? Like, how did I know mm -hmm. that? And, you know, it's like I'll, I saw a Timberland boot and I'm like, I'm seeing this boot on a foot. And she goes, yes, I had an accident at work and I was wearing Timberland boots and my foot was crushed, but the Timberland boot saved my foot and that's the only reason I didn't lose my foot and I'm like <laughs> I mean could it be a coincidence after you know 50 reads you're like all right I think there's something else something going here. on yeah. yeah and and like at the same time though I mean it's like you know if it if you were even were to just chalk it down to intuition I mean you know you and I have lived enough life we've met a lot of people and yeah. most people are not self-aware or intuitive or anything like that and so like I mean in terms of and I think that that was probably something you were like a naturally intuitive person before that. And you can really weaponize this to like be very manipulative if you want to. And it's it's pretty fucked yeah. up. But um, but I like but also, too, it's like, you know, who's to say that people being granted with a certain level of intuition isn't kind of spiritual in itself, you know, mm -hmm. or, or or unusual mm -hmm. or, or given by, you know, some some and then you could it's a power for for good or bad, depending on how you want to use it. But I, like kind of what you're explaining is like mediumship sort of goes beyond that. So I'm curious, like, what was the first reading you got where they, the person that was reading you called something spot on that was too weird, too coincidental? Mm -hmm. and, what, and what was that? Um, that's a great question, Jordan. Um, I, I had a reading with um, a woman who actually has a reality show in Canada um, named Carmel Joy Baird. And she's actually one of my teachers now, but she has, uh, she's like the Long Island medium of Canada. Mm -hmm. And she said to me your um your your mother i don't know it was like my, my your grandmother is saying talk about the man who looks like santa claus and i'm like i have no idea what that means so hang up with her call my mom and i'm like what does this mean and my my mom said okay you know my ex-boyfriend um who i'm like they're not gonna watch this so i'm, I'm like <laughs> i don't want to call any names out but she's like 
yeah, he's been still in love with her for a long, long time. And I think he's just sort of waiting for my dad to croak so he can move. He's a nice guy, but, you know, he's been in love with her. And she said, um, you know, he just, he still, he literally just this week reached out. And it was just horrible because I finally had to tell him, like, you know, we dated when I was 15. Like, it's, we're 70 now. <laughs> you know, like, I need you to kind of respect boundaries. And she said, and I felt so bad. But the joke was that she and her best friend, who's passed on recently, like before she passed, she said she found a picture of him and said, oh my God, he looks like Santa Claus. My mom's, and so the, their joke was he looks like Santa Claus now because now he's got the big, the big white beard. And it, had, it was the same day or two that she had just received this correspondence from him and just had to make this big choice about getting, you know, kind of like setting a boundary with him. Sure. And it was that day that the medium was like, your grandmother is saying something or, you know, about the guy who looks like Santa Claus. And that was relevant at that moment. And so specific in terms of that's what they called him. I mm -hmm. didn't know that's what they called him. Mm -hmm. And there's a, there's another medium that read me that everything was from my mom. So I'm going, oh no, I wasted my money. I don't know what any of this is. Called my mom and she's everything she said was stuff I didn't know. Family secrets that weren't big secrets. They're just not appropriate to tell your children. Mm -hmm. Or um, And it was so down to the letter what my mom's best friend said to her before she died on her deathbed. And I'm like, how could she know the last words that this woman said to my mother? That's pretty crazy, and, that one. And, you know, and, and it was and my mom was going through something and she was saying, you're you're she's here to tell your mom that she's doing a good job and that she I didn't know my mom was going through anything because she doesn't talk about you know, she's very stoic. And it turned out that all the messages were to sort of make her feel better because she was going through this thing that only spirit knew. I didn't even know. That's that's really that's mm -hmm. really interesting because like something I wanted to talk to you about is some experience that Sean has had with his with his dad. I'm excited to hear that too. Yeah, and his dad his dad's like very very open and pretty plugged in. It, it's like it's more like it's kind of more like the Latino culture. So it's like it's it is it's hard so to explain. So maybe you can explain it better. On our case. end, I mean, I come from a family from Nicaragua, and on our end, we have like sort of like family rumors that we have witches in the family, and particularly my 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 aunt uh who has sort of been like an arbiter of what seems to be like very negative things that have happened in our family um like crows circling our house uh people falling ill with unexplainable illnesses like coughing up coffee grinds for whatever reason that there have been like sort of almost magical experiences uh, that all sort of lead back to this one person or these two these two women in our family um, and particularly I've, I've found that it in like generally Latino culture there it's it's more so with with women in the family who who have this sort of connection that they use to manipulate reality a little bit um, but my dad's side has always been very spiritual in that sense so uh, about a year ago, um, I was, uh, like getting like tormented in the, in the middle of the night at like three, four in the morning, I would jolt out of bed, uh, as if there was something in my room, uh, or I'd hear a loud bang in my head or something like that. Um, always like, like for a week straight at the same exact time, every single night, it was like three 30 in the morning. Um, and, uh, I like offhandedly, I think I texted like my, my dad or my mom about it um, because they were like, how are you doing? Like, how are you sleeping? Are you are you doing okay? Because I just 
pretty recently moved into this new place. Not not this one, but the one before this. And uh, and so I, I told them that. And then the next day, my dad calls me and he goes, hey, I've been having the exact same experience at the exact same time of night uh, with the exact same sentiment. It's it's like a jolt out of bed. Uh, you're out of breath, um, either like sweaty or just exhausted uh, for, for no apparent reason, but as if something or somebody was there waking me up. Um, and so he and I have always shared sort of like um, shared a connection to, I guess, something spiritual that that really made itself clear this last year. Um, I, I guess like what he told me is or, or rather and I, I'd love like your your input or whatever. But like my experience with spirit has always been pretty neutral. It's always been like middle of the road. They aren't here to hurt me or help me. They just appear. Um, I've had a couple other experiences where I wake up and I see figures and I'm not scared by them, but uh, there's not anything I can do about them. So I, I, I'm not sure actually where I was going with this, but I think it's just an interesting connection that I think my side of the family, my dad's side of the family has. I, I, I had to bring it up just because it was, I was curious uh, with you, Shannon, if you feel like you were receiving all those messages, messages initially, like in order, cause you like needed to talk to your mother about these kinds of things. Like it was like yeah. the universe telling you that. Yeah, and well, what he just, actually, you said you didn't know where you're going with this. I actually do know where you're going with this, and <laughs> I have thoughts about that. But um, yeah, it's interesting because all of the, the messages were from my mother. As I said, I had no idea she was going through anything. So it was, um, it was, it was very much all these messages were like, hey, you're do like, she was having a, a crisis and, um, and she was it was the it's actually the most upset i've ever seen her she doesn't really get rattled she's very grounded and very handles things very beautifully um and it was sort of like she needed this assurance she was having a difficult time with with something that was going on and um yeah it was every single message in that mediumship reading because i didn't really need healing i was just there because i love i'm so fascinated by the whole thing was all something i needed to tell my mom um, and also validation that, you know, her parents are actually still with us because they reference things that I was like, that isn't true. That never happened. And then she said, oh, it did happen. But mm. I, you, were, you were a kid or you were not born yet, but this happened before you were born. And I know what that's about. So um, with Sean, with Sean, what, what you're saying, um, there, there are several things. Um, one is there are mediums and spiritual people out there who disagree with me um, about dark entities and that kind of thing. I mean, I don't not, I believe that there are like lower vibration spirits. Like if you're Ted Bundy, you're not go, I don't think you're going to hell cause I don't believe in hell. I think you're going to be, but you can create your own hell. You're mm. kind of floating around in a dark murky consciousness. And there is dark energy that remains in my belief system that something terrible happens in a house. The dark energy remains, but it's not that there's like, it's not some like person who's like, I was murdered, solve the crime. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. It's not that. They're not, I don't believe they're stuck. A lot of people do. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's just this like leftover energy. And, but what I do think happens is that people often think, and I don't think it didn't sound like you're, you're you feel that way. Uh, it, it, you're not being like haunted or it's not something dark. As you said, you weren't, you weren't afraid when you're seeing these things. Um, it's your loved ones in spirit trying to get your attention. So a lot of times people are like, my house is haunted. It's not that your house is haunted. It's like 
your grandpa being like, hey, I want you to know that I'm here and I know you can see me, especially you, because if you are organically seeing figures and it's not, there is something called sleep paralysis, but that's a different, that feels like you can't move and people are often in terror and they see dark shadows and it's, it's really something in the brain. But if you are being um, connect, you and your father both, we're all connected in, you know, in my belief system, we're all parts of the same tree. Like it's a big tree and we're all fruit from that same tree. So you and your father especially are very connected. Your souls are very connected. Therefore, you will be often sensing the same feelings. So what you're feeling and sensing is most likely, you, I think, you're saying you have this ability to see and communicate with us more strongly than most do because you, your brain is just wired that way. Um, your amygdala is shaped differently. And so you have the ability to sense things that other people can't um, or just don't realize they can. So I think what's happening is that your loved ones are being like, dude, you're a medium, <laughs> you're a medium. And we're just trying to let you know, yeah, hey, we're here. We love you. It's always good. It's they're not trying to, you know, hurt anything. And I bet you that your father, they're connecting with both of you because of your family and, and that can mean your souls were together. Most of us, at least again, I keep saying, let's just, yes, it's all in my belief. I'm just going to say it like it's fact. So as not to repeat myself, um, soul families exist in the other realm. We're then often put back together in this life. So, Jordan might have been your mom, like Jordan, but it's just different. Mm. You're still in the same soul family and cluster, but you become different people. And that's a whole other tangent. But I really do think from what I've heard that this runs in your family. And that's because, as I said, certain mediums who are born that way, they're like, my mother was a medium, my father was a medium, whatever. It's because you have your brain is goes into a theta state more easily than most people's they've done brain scans on mediums and shown that their brains look different mm. they even the long island medium who's known for being super high strung and energetic they found that her brain is always in a meditative state no matter mm. what she's doing and that's rare i think it was tyler henry uh they saw something similar brainwave wise but um another medium i know had her brain scanned and they said it's almost like you were in a car it looks like you were in a you had a brain injury hmm. um where that part of your brain is uh it, it's like you said jordan it's highly sensitive people people who are trauma survivors were more and i'm not but we're being a sensitive we're more alert to things like and like we know when something's going to happen it's yeah, just that... like how our the cats know there's going to be an earthquake they just they know it yeah yeah um, Sean, you didn't you didn't mention that your dad had just gotten diagnosed with cancer when that started happening, right? No, so that's he a, had that's the interesting part. Of he had a pretty severe bone cancer in his spine, and um, he's perfectly fine now. But I I feel as though he was like they caught it so early that he was very lucky. Um, but the stuff he had to endure was was quite a bit, and I think like the the suffering that he went through because of that, and sort of the the quiet suffering. I think maybe even so if I'm making a conjecture about it is that like that instance where we were sharing the same experiences was to bring the two of us together or rather closer together 
uh, that that could be it. Uh, but I, I'd like to think that that's the case. Well, because that's been so true, like you mm-hmm. know, sense. And and but like you know, what's interesting about your dad is like uh, the other day when we were at uh, your oh no at uh, Carl, uh, Carlos's birthday dinner, your, your uncle. Mm-hmm. Um, I asked him about this kind of stuff and he was i was like asking him like well, when's the first time you you remember seeing something really clearly and he had a, one of his best friends when he said he was six he lived in nicaragua he drowned and then they were like at the memorial service and he went upstairs and clear as day the person was still in the be- in his bedroom like right in front of him and like said he's fine you know and then his dad uh, sean's dad had the shit scared out of him so he ran out screaming but like he said ever since then you know he he does see and see things pretty often that are very clear uh, but he's like, I don't really talk about it because people just think oh, they'll think I'm crazy. You know? Right. But that's well, that makes even more sense because they would be coming to comfort you. Mm-hmm. They'd be actually coming to tell you we're here. We're got, we got you. It doesn't necessarily mean just because your spirit people are there or your spirit guides are there doesn't mean you're not going to die. It just means we've got we're going to you're we're all here to suffer that's kind of what it we're here to learn and grow and suffering is part of that and unfortunately it involves physical suffering and loss and grief and all of those things but they're telling you we're here i just i hate to be corny but on a show that's not my own but they i just felt such a rush of when i connect with spirit it feels it's asmr i found out i was like Mm -hmm. what is this sensation it's whenever they come to near me i get this like tingling that goes all the way down my body and it's always when i say something and they're saying yes i validate that so they're saying like we are with you you're going no matter what happens we're holding your hand we're here we got you and you have each other it sounds like to me um but also i will say it's very rare which is why i'm like you're a medium and so is your dad because or meaning just that you have a stronger connection um seeing spirit with your naked eye is not very common Um, and if you, and if for any reason you or your dad doesn't want to see them anymore, you can say, Hey guys, I'm happy to communicate with you, but I do not want to see you. And they'll kind of put that on the back burner. I studied with Monica, the medium. She also had a fun reality show, love her. And she, she does that. She said, like, I just tell them, please don't, it's too freaky. Like, I don't want to wake up in the dark and see someone at the foot of my bed. It's just not, you're not ready for it. Um, and so you can say, hey, I'd rather receive the information a different way. Can you show it to me by leaving me a symbol, like leave me a feather? Or can you just like let um, be, let it be through my clear audience, which is when I hear things, it's not like I literally hear a voice going, Shannon, Cause, and some people do, but mm-hmm. very rarely do you actually hear it with your actual ear or, um, you know, sense it like with your actual eyes, it's, it's more like a thought. So it'll, it just feels like I'm thinking it, but it actually, I'm like, but why am I thinking, where did that come from? So you can ask them, Hey, I'm open to communicating, but it needs to be on my terms. Please don't come to me in the dark. But if you don't mind, basically they're just there to let you know, Hey, we know you can see us. We're letting you know, it's all going to be okay. Which it sounds like it was, we're, we're going to like, it's not your dad's time to go. It's going to be tough, but you're, we're we're all together in this kind of thing that's what i take from it Mm. which i think is really cool but do you actually still how often do you actually see you know images or it's uh, tough to say i think the the latest instance or the the most memorable one that was recent was that about a year ago with with my dad's similar experience um i haven't really had any 
others in in this new place that we moved into uh as far as i can tell really um but yeah so i i think like i mean before that another more memorable one was uh i i was living in i think i was still living in florida at the time and i had uh it was for some reason i had taken like a midday nap and i lived in basically like a what what felt like a tree house it was an actual house but built into a tree it was a really wonderful place but um i remember i had a, a room on the third floor i guess there was no first floor it was on like stilts but the first floor had like a garage um i was on the third floor in my bedroom and i was home from i think college for just a couple weeks and i for some reason had taken a nap in the middle of the day and what happened was i woke up at about 4 p.m or so and I saw somebody clear as day in my room who looked strikingly like uh, my my RA from college, which was so strange. He had sort of long stringy hair about the length I have now and big grandpa glasses, the kind that that, that are, I guess, sort of aviator looking, um, but prescription. And I could see him. I could see his stubble. But what was so strange is I knew he wasn't my RA from college. I didn't know who he was, but I, I definitely saw him and I wasn't scared. I just went back to sleep. I was like, okay, all right, <laughs> you're in here, but I'm still tired. So enjoy yourself yeah. while you're here. <laughs> well, that's good. You weren't scared because mm. that, that's, that's, that would freak me out. I think even though I want mm. to see more of that, I'm always like, Hey, just so I'm positive that I'm not making this up. It would help if you could just like, I'm happy to see you. I mean, I don't want to see you like, like I said, at three in the morning in the dark when I'm alone. Mm. Um, not because I think spirits are scary, but because who wants to see, you know, because when you wake up, you, you're like, is there someone standing at my bed? That's the, that's the fear. Mm -hmm. But if you are seeing things like that and you know you're not dreaming, since it happens more often than just when you're napping, you know, um, then they're showing themselves to you for a reason. In fact, the reason that I actually believe in this, uh, more, even though I went through a total, I was an atheist for like the first, I don't know, 25 years of my life or something. And maybe agnostic, I don't remember, but I, I remember saying, I think you die and turn to dust. Mm. So emo. I mean, <laughs> you know, as I'm like smoking menthols out the window, like, <laughs> you just die, that's it. And I'm listening to like Nirvana every day. And um, so in my combat boots. So yeah, I mean, I, but at the same time, um, when I was like 14, I laid down to go to sleep, flicked the light off and all the, and before I even fell asleep, this giant, when I say giant, I mean, this is big enough. So this big ball of light appeared over my body and it looked like, um, it was as neon blue as you can imagine. Just the brightest, brightest blue I've ever seen in my life. I can't even describe it. It looked, now this was the eighties. So there was no, we didn't have computers. We didn't have, um, or maybe, you know, late, yeah, late eighties. So we didn't have computers. We didn't have cell phones. There was no glowing light coming from anywhere. We didn't have electronics. We had like a rotary phone. So um, it hovered over me and it was like, it had no face, but it was looking at me. And all I could think of was it looked like Tinkerbell because it was like playful in its movements. And it was sort of like looking at me like this. And then it zipped across the room, zipped back, and then all of a sudden just, I screamed, cause I just, like I said, it's not a scary thing, but when you don't expect to see that in the dark, I screamed for my mom to come down the hall and it just zipped up and disappeared. And now I still wonder 
could it have been a UFO type, like um, a being from another universe? Yes, it could have been that. Later in life, I had a few mediums. I asked them like, what was that? And they said, oh, that's your guardian angels. They're clustered together and they're letting you know. And I'm like, but I never saw them again. They said, well, you screamed. They don't want to scare you. They're not there <laughs> to scare you. They want you to feel protected. And so they said, and one woman said to me, they told, they came because they wanted you to know later in life, because you were going to go down a spiritual path that they were, you they wanted you to reference that as a touchstone of that was real. Mm -hmm. So if you're ever doubting it, just remember that bright light that I saw with my wide open naked eyes. That's why I believe you, especially because it happened to me. I mean, I, I was not asleep. And when it's different from a dream, it's like, more real than even your like this right now it was so vivid I, i've often i've often wondered if people do see things like that often but it, it's so out of the realm of their construction of reality that yeah. they can just ignore it you know what i mean like put put blinders on like i did uh, yeah i mean it, it, like so it's just sort of it's just like well i was imagining this or whatever or or just not even see it for that reason and it's interesting because i think that like sometimes people will get um like one of my mom's best friends is uh, she's really into Reiki and she's gotten so spiritual that it, it's totally inaccessible to the person who isn't like at the seminar with her. You know what I mean? The language, mm -hmm. I mean, but so like, I, you know, like you talk about these orbs, it's like, you know, guardian angels, like kind of the term you use, but like, you know, fourth dimensional being, it's like everything. I mean, these are all kind of relative terms that I think are all kind of the same thing. I mean, like often I've thought like what people would see as like ghosts and I'm curious of your, your opinion on this is that it could be one of two things like either your soul when it leaves your body um moves so fast that it's moving at the speed of light so fourth dimension you kind of see echoes right it's like echoes of things that are moving so fast or i've thought and this isn't really in the spiritual realm that we often see people from the future that can now travel so quickly or like time and space and gravity don't really like aren't relative anymore and they kind of make the mistake of <laughs> <laughs> being seen when they're kind of just being tourists in our in our dumb ant existence right now so i i don't know I've, i mean yeah i've heard that before and i actually think it's entirely possible i do believe in dimensions mm -hmm. like i don't believe in heaven and hell i think I. there's another plane dimension mm -hmm. and that's and from the people that i've and i've spoken to a lot of people plus read every book watched every interview and i'm speaking with more and more people that have died like the, there was no brain activity, there was no heart activity, um, but they uh, had, they went to a different place and they all had almost the exact same experience, except for the little details that are different. What they all tell me is that um, it's, it, there is no time. Time is an illusion, which we, it sounds so hippy dippy, but it really is like, they're like, it's hard to explain. It's like, everything happens at once, I am you, you are me, I am part of everything. There is no actual timeline, like nothing. It's all happening at the same time. So you can be living different and people are like, well, how could you reincarnate, but then still come through a medium? And it's like, well, that's a whole other thing. What, you know, Monica, the medium describes it as there's a, she describes it as a Clementine, like an orange and that's your higher self. And then each little wedge of the fruit can branch off. We're all part of the same energy. So you can be grandma 
you can be or grandma can stay grandma but she can also be like a boy in india at the same time and she can also but she doesn't lose who she is she's not like grandma and then the boy in india takes on her personality it's like they have their own personalities because they all have different brains it gets i mean it gets woo woo but it gets crazy no, it, but it's really it's really not because i think that like you know it, it all you know um it, it's interesting to me because it's like this you know i think that um I, you know, I was militant, like atheist until I was like in my early 20s. And it's like mostly just because I felt like, you know, being gay or whatever, like religion betrayed me, you know. Yeah. But then once they kind of lost the uh, the grip on culture, like, you know, and, and like which was fast and people didn't really recognize it when it happened. It stopped really affecting me. And I started to feel a lot of empathy for these people that I call new humans, like people that sort of need something. They need like simple explanations to to live uh, to be a moral person, you know, which. Which, but it, it, you know, but I think that like this, this, uh, this concept you just explained is like very similar to the tenets of basically every religion, which is like, if you hurt another person, you're hurting yourself because mm -hmm. you're all kind of connected or whatever. And even if you're going to take, you know, spirituality or religion out of it, it's like, whenever you like, you know, I'm sure you had this, this situation, I'm sure Sean too, it's like you have an interaction with somebody where you just know you behave poorly and you have two choices either you double down and 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 just live with that guilt and that shit forever or you apologize you know and so um but i i, I do think that like energy it's like you know for every reaction there's an opposite equal reaction it's like uh every action rather and so i i think that people have all like again like all these terms for these things that that are are relative but have no earthly explanation as to why they happen you know and, and i think it's what makes humans really interesting but so for people to dismiss like the spiritual side of it, I think is a, um, it's like sad for people that can't see things like just through this lens, you know? Uh, and so it's, it's not woo woo is my, my, my very verbose it point. It's actually, there's the argument of science versus spirituality. And I don't think that the two are separate at all. I think they're the same thing. Yeah. I think that what we say is paranormal is actually normal. We just don't see it. Just like, do we see atoms and particles? doesn't mean they're not there right um it's just um there's an argument over which religion i'm also not religious because i don't think that one religion is correct i think that there are inter there are own interpretations of the same thing that they're they're just interpreted in different ways because we can't possibly imagine what it is and there's actually a lot of science behind a lot of this um that that shows different dimensions i mean einstein too had um was already looking into this and it, it like the different dimensions and and why are we so you know why is it that we can accept things like um reproduction and the shape of a flower and the fact that we're our brains are smart enough to create computers and there's the cloud and all these things but we're like so skeptical about oh well but that but we like two people can mate and create a person out that of like bodily fluids like why are we we're so used to that like oh that's old hat to us and it's weird so it's like it's, so i know and it's so weird that culture has gone in this direction where like we are now really just diminishing how much of a miracle that is <laughs> you know that like you know the the like you know one sperm to like what like 40 like no 40 million sperm to one egg and the mm. likelihood of that actually becoming a baby is like astronomical numbers and and it and these cells growing to form a, a being that is able to like you know, intelligence is relative, but the fact that we're we're the only species that's able to talk like this about these kinds of things, and we have the luxury of having the brain power to like consider something beyond this. But I think that culture has moved in this direction of just sort of diminishing kind of the miracle that is children for whatever reason. And uh, I think that what's interesting is that spirituality has sort of like 
kind of mutated versions of it have like I don't know, kind of taken taken over people in, in a way, and so it's like there's like kind of I think kind of bad ambassadors for this kind of thing, like that because if 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 I if I was skeptical and you explained it to me that way, and I was a skeptic, I would have been like, yeah, that's that's fair. Like even if I didn't agree with the things you were saying, I would be like, well, that makes that makes a lot of sense as to like why people would would believe in in this kind of thing because the fact that we are able to have children or or the fact that like this this table is 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 solid but it's moving you know what i mean we know this is you know it's like you're saying molecules particles you know we haven't even gotten to like the quark level yet but who knows what the fuck mm -hmm. that'll be um and so we 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 the things that we're willing to accept and the things we're not um this this sort of like fetish fetish fetishization of science is is, is a, a really interesting uh cultural thing to me and and um it, it's uh I don't know what my point was. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, there's something uh, that I really love about your podcast um, that I've listened to quite a few episodes at this point now. And I think what's so cool is that you it, it really like shows the the full spectrum of, of what it means to be spiritual and what it means to be a medium or connected to spirits. Um, like, for example, like you interviewed the Southern Bell medium who in her in in her recounting all the times that she's had near death experiences she talks even about Jesus himself seeing him and how her her christian upbringing and her religion influences how she sees things and how she experienced those uh near death experiences and then uh your most recent episode with peter uh panagor panagor yeah. yeah um your most recent episode he talks about god the word god being i think he said shorthand for for this idea of of being spiritual the the spirituality that that binds us all together and so like i think when when people when people don't give it enough thought they think spirituality just means christian god christianity and 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 whatever else in in traditional religion but i think the spectrum of spirituality goes from traditional to abstract and it's so cool that you that you interview such a wide variety of people who have near-death experiences who are mediums who I, I just find it so fascinating and so cool that you're that you do that well thank you first of all thank you for listening to it and supporting <laughs> it um and that's actually why I, I chose the southern bell medium for that interview because i didn't want to just um interview people that were exactly in the same like even me i'm not I believe in Jesus as like a soul and um, as, you know, the, who he was on this earth. And I think he may have even been like an ascended sort of spirit. Um, I don't believe, you know, I'm, I don't follow, I, I'm skeptical about the accuracy of the Bible um, because it was translated by man. I think there might, there's some stuff in there, but I also know that people who have near death experiences, some of them see Jesus, some of them don't. And what, from what I, have gathered and understand it's because spirit will show you what you feel comfortable with um, or what, you know, it's like that they know that to you, Jesus is going to feel the most familiar and it's mm. going to comfort you the most. Um, some people see him sometimes. And I'm also open to the fact that maybe he is a, you know, that he, he is in a higher um, sort of spirit. I don't, I don't believe that he was immaculate conception. You know, there are things about it, but I'm open to it because I don't know. I wasn't there. Um, I'm very open to it, but I think that's why I like to interview different people with different, um, with different ideas and who have had these different experiences because all they can say is what they, they can't say. None of us are going to know until we get there. Yeah. 
these are people that have gone there and come back. So we don't even know what's beyond that. So they're just saying, this is how I perceived it. Hmm. And like you said, there's like a consistency to pretty much every explanation you've heard from everybody you've inter interviewed that have died and come back. Yeah. Now there are also, you will find, if you look on YouTube, there will be people that say, oh, I went to hell and it was a fiery furnace. I, I think, I don't know. I think some, something else is going on there or maybe they were in a dark vibration and that's what they saw or they had a seizure and it wasn't really a near-death experience and you know there's so many different things but i i think it's possible it was a near-death experience but it was shown to them for some reason like you need you know to evaluate something but the common thread in all of this is a few things that i can i can think of right off the bat is everyone that i at least that i've interviewed and that i know of um saw it wasn't always a tunnel so it was like an envelopment of darkness with a big light at the end there were loved ones in spirit that they knew were there they didn't look necessarily like anyone but they just knew that's my grandpa they could feel them they knew who they were and that when they went home they realized they call it home they're like this isn't our home that's our home we're actually going home and they say that the feeling when they get there is like oh my god this is i'm back this is who i really am and the other thing is they all are shown, if they get far enough, a life review where they're not judged, but they get to feel what the other person in a situation felt. They get to, to see what they could have done differently. They get to see how their, how their own actions affected others. And, or if they don't get to that point, it's, it's a, there's, there are beings there of light that say, hey, it's not your time. You can stay or you can go back here's what's going to happen if you stay here. Here's what's going to happen if you go back. It's not exactly your time or it could be. So there's always this sort of um, discussion that they have with some greater being that's like, hey, do you, you know, it's not your time. And mm -hmm. I, I hear, and why, and it seems like if there are hundreds of people who get there and it's, there's someone there going, it's not your time, go back. You can't, I mean, assuming they're all telling the truth, which I find my, people to be very credible because I don't just interview anybody who says they had a near-death experience. Mm -hmm. um, you know, like how could thousands of people, it's actually, I, I don't even know the numbers, but it's thousands and thousands of people. Um, how could they all have the exact same hallucination yeah. when they pass? It, it just, it just doesn't, that, it just that, doesn't. That's the commonality. I mean, you know, in that, like I, I, I kind of, you know, like looking for like patterns in terms of like experiences and like, you know, even, even, you know, people who have uh, UFO experiences and like, you know, the black triangle with the red lights is like a really common one that a lot of people have seen and they describe it the exact same way verbatim. And it's like people who haven't met and like, but they all have these really deep, either, either they're all geniuses and they've all used the same account to write or like, you know, or, or they use like one, one single account to like fabricate their own story. Like, I don't really know, but I, I found that, that whole um, thing, uh, the, like the common thread of these experiences make them sort of uh, an undeniable reality, you know? And uh, um, I have a couple questions from our uh, listeners here I wanted to ask you. Um, uh, our uh, friend Greg asks, uh, not sure, oh, there we go. Uh, have you or any of your teachers ever studied, experienced, or worked with people who study or experience DJINN? Do you know what that is? I don't know what that is. Yeah, I've never heard of that either. Maybe you can tell us, Greg. Mm -hmm. um, and then Steven asks, is there a connection between spirits and the physical, like weather, lights flickering? I've experienced a few weird things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, in fact, from what I've, I've learned, spirit can absolutely, because they're energy, 
they can manipulate electricity. So I'll give you an example. Um, my aunt passed away a couple months ago and a bunch of people I knew died that week and a friend of mine died that week. So I said, all right, guys, you've all just now, I know you're on the other side. So I said, uh, Aunt June, listen, talk to grandma, tell her to show you how to flicker the lights. Because grandma's joke was, when I die, I'm going to flicker the lights. And uh, so I just said, let them sh like you know let them show you how to do this i walk out of the kitchen and i sit down on the couch and all of a sudden out of the corner of my eye i see flashing i'm like no that's not that what and i looked over there it wasn't just a little it was all six of the lights or how they're like flashing like like this like really really intensely mm -hmm. and i'm like okay this has to be there's no way this has to be a coincidence well they went on like that for like five minutes and i'm like looking around i'm like and June, Lena, all, like doing a checklist of all my people who'd passed this that week. And then one of the uh, bulbs appeared to go out. The next morning I turned on the lights, fine. It hasn't happened since. It was literally like a few minutes after I said, sh start flickering the lights. And it went on for about five minutes. It's, that's my own personal experience, but I hear it from so many people. My mom one time said, to her parents, like, show me a sign. And all of a sudden her car horn starts blaring in the garage. I mean, just like, and I've heard thousands of stories. I mean, I don't, thousands, that was an exaggeration. Well, I've heard so many examples of this from people. Um, and yeah, they, and that's why I also listen out for, they might play a song for you on the radio. They might, um, you know, something that was your song that you thought of. It could be that some people have gotten texts from their loved ones after they've passed away just when they were thinking about them and suddenly it pops up and they're like, how is this person? Obviously they're not texting them, but some old message pops up from them or, or they're for some reason their phone sends a text yeah. through the phone. I have, um, this conversation actually reminded me of an experience I had. And, and like, I know like the word poltergeist kind of to me is like a, a scary trigger word for like, Oh, something's haunted. But like I had, um, actually I still have it. I wonder if it's in our bedroom now. I have a little um, wooden elephant figurine that I got from a friend who was visiting Africa. I forget exactly. I think she went to South Africa. She was visiting and then she went to the countryside out there, found this little elephant figurine, brought it back, gave it to me. Um, and I took it with me to the next house that I moved to. And uh, there was one day I was just on my computer sitting in my room. I decided to, I was sitting on my bed. I decided to look up at my bookshelf because there was like a cool... I don't know, the light was coming in at the right angle and I thought it was pretty and it was hitting my bookshelf and I look up at the top of the bookshelf, there's my elephant figure and I watch it almost in like super speed, uh, flies off of the bookshelf into the wall, the leg breaks off and it lands on the ground as if it, it, it moved in a straight line to, to the wall and broke and then fell. Um, it left a mark on the wall. It was so strange and unexplainable because there was nothing else on my, my bookshelf that moved. There was no earthquake or anything. Um, but it was so interesting to me, uh, cause I, I still can't explain it other than it is something a bit like displaced energy. Yeah, that's, and then that's the thing. It's sort of rare for that to happen, but I know people that it's happened to and, um, it's never happened to me, but I know that it does. And I don't know how that works. But I do think that there's something energetically that's some kind of energetic push, some kind of thing that happens that I don't know what it is. And that's the thing. It's part of that thing we don't understand. And as we were talking before, I, I'm like, how can you look at any 
um, documentary about the universe and be like, oh, yeah, that that exists, but like my my loved ones in spirit, they're not that can't be possible. And I'm like, but look at the galaxy. I mean, mm-hmm. the universe it goes on forever and ever and ever and ever. What do you mean? Mm-hmm. How how can that happen? So some of these things are just unexplainable. But I and people piece them together based on maybe they're a medium and they've connected with spirit. I have, you know heard mediums say spirit has told me this that this is what they what goes on on the other side you know um, and people have gone to the other side and said they've received the other common thing um, about going to the other side is everybody says they're able to receive information telepathically so there's not people chatting it's like all of a sudden all the answers of the universe just come into your awareness and you're like oh there's no time, I get it. And sometimes they come back and kind of forget it. And sometimes they still remember it. And it makes it hard for them to live in this world because they're like, this is so this is so weird to try to live in this human body after knowing the expansiveness of my soul. And so, um, but I, like I said, I think it's the one thing I'll, I'll reiterate is that it's not necessarily paranormal or um, woo woo. It's just part, um, it, it's something that we just can't quantify or it's not something that's easily explained by science so we think it's not real some things just we're not going to know that that we know certain things but how can we really understand what happens to i used to think the soul was just the brain like creating your personality and like you're basically a little robot and um who has some you know complex brain that allows them to feel and i think there's partly that but then where does the brain design come from and where does you could go back and say okay yes evolution is real and but what created evolution i mean how they're they're not even in opposition why is it darwinism versus you know it like it isn't it's god created evolution Hmm. god created the where did the galaxy come from yes i know there are scientific explanations but yeah, but I mean, simultaneously, like you, you ask enough why questions and there there ceases to be a scientific answer. So it's like, yeah. you know, and, and, and the same goes for religion. It's like, well, then who created God? And then there's like really nothing to really. But it's like it to me, like, God. like as I've gotten older, like God has become sort of an abstract concept. It's like like God is just it's not a name. It's just a word. It's like a word that describes mm-hmm. something that I will never, ever know the answer to ever. Like even things that like probably like in my lifetime, I won't know the answer to like what's beyond Pluto? Like, you know, what's in other galaxies? You know, like, I don't think that I'll get to see that, but, but it, um, but it's like that, that's like, it was, it's interesting to me too. I actually was at a, I was at a a friend's house and one of his friends got angry with me using that word to describe things. And I'm like, well, you could say this particular thing is unexplainable or we'll never have an answer, or you can just call it God as shorthand. And it's like, but there was so much attachment to that word for people. And, and I, and I do find it interesting of like people, you know, what people will consider woo-woo or like religious giving explanations to things that have no explanation makes them, they make, it makes them scared, which then that becomes anger. And I, I've wondered why that is. Do you, do you, have you ever experienced that? Yeah. I think people are afraid of it because they associate it with, uh, old school Christianity and Catholicism and, um, the religion that was created by man, it, I mean, in terms of like the rules of interpreted by man it, in the olden times, it was a very sort of um, smothering, restrictive mm-hmm. religion where, you know, you you can't have sex before marriage. You mustn't do this. These are God will punish you if you do these things. And it's all very fear based. 
nowadays that's not what Christian, I mean, most people I know who are Christian don't, that's, that's a very old, old fashioned belief system, but I was uncomfortable about it my whole life. I was like, don't push that on me kind of thing. Mm -hmm. And I think people associate God with um, the biblical God. Not that there's anything wrong with that. It's just that because religion through the dark ages became something um, enforced by the church, by Catholicism so that they had more power. It's like all these rules aren't really, uh, they're just, they're just meant to stifle people and tell them you're bad. And there's a lot of shame in that. And it feels very controlling. So to me, God is whatever you want to call it. Call it. Some people call it source. Some people call it the universe. Some people, call, I believe that God is what we are all made of. I mean, God is the bigger thing. Mm -hmm. God is love. And to me, honestly, as you know, hippie as it sounds, God is love. Every person who goes to the other side that I've interviewed says it's the most love you've ever felt. It's unconditional love. It's not about conditions. It's all just the most peaceful, welcoming, loving form of energy that you're ever going to feel in your life. And that's what God is. And God is what we are all the other com one more common denominator is many people say that they look down and they see that we're all webs of light. So it's almost like we're all connected by strings of light. Quarks of Light is a book written by Rob Gentile, who I interviewed, and he it looks like a grid. So I am you, you are me, like like you said. If I hurt you, I hurt myself. I'm we're all part of the same light. Some people make bad choices because of mental illness, trauma, um, indoctrination. We have free will we have our own brains but we're all in my belief born pure light and pure soul it's what we do with what we're given and sometimes it's not our fault sometimes we're born with a mental illness and we just don't have the ability to you know be all love and light all the time but that's what happens then we split off because we're human mm -hmm. but honestly i'm gonna say it god is love <laughs> That's really my belief. Well, because like like the word, I think love is the only emotion that we have. We all feel it, uh, yeah. and I think that I realized it was such a powerful, real thing when it ended with somebody, and it physically, mentally fucked me up. I mean, it was it was so bad, and so you're like, oh, there there is something here. But again, like love is not really an emotion or a feeling one can describe. You know. Yeah. So it's God. And even that human love is doesn't even encapsulate the love of God. It's like like you said, I mean, we and, and unless you're a sociopath, you've felt it at, at one time in your life and we love each other. You know, I love my cat who's in my lap. I love my friends. I love my partner. I love my family. But um, even then, apparently, when you go to the other side, it's like it's all encompassing and you realize we aren't separated at all. Yeah. And that's why when people say, well, when you die, you know, does grandma miss me? Well, grandma doesn't miss you when she's in on the other side, heaven, whatever yeah. you call it, because she's still with you. She's she's more connected with you than ever before. So she there's no missing. You miss them. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a I don't know. It, it, like And again, too, it's like it's a very I think like a lot of the conflict that people feel in their lives. So they just sort of would accept that this might be reality, like even even just sort of a, a tepid sort of version of doing that. They would just generally be happier. Um, I have this thing I, I think I've told you before, and I've certainly talked to Sean a lot about it, like how I think that there are, like it, it's kind of in the realm of reincarnation, but I've come up with this thing of like new humans or old humans. Like, it, you know, it's either you've been around a few times 
or like this might be like the end or like, you know, you this is kind of a newer cycle for you. Because like even with reincarnation, there has to be more souls because the population is ex exponentially growing, you know. Um, but it seems to me that like people who are just unwilling to even consider that this might be an option are kind of in the newer realm of of spirit and have not really like experienced things that or, or not allowed themselves to experience things that are profound or don't really accept them as being profound or or bigger than themselves you know and so yeah uh do you see such a question i um there's there's one thing i want to touch on because you've mentioned actually two things that i want to talk about you've mentioned and on your most recent podcast you you and peter uh talked about uh psychedelics a little bit uh, yeah. And I want to ask you a bit more about that. So you mentioned you had like an, ex an experience in college with a poster on your wall when you were on psychedelics, allegedly. I don't know if you want to say that on our podcast. No, no I do. It's, I said okay. it on there and my mom watches it. So I'm like, <laughs> perfect. It's in the past. <laughs> so yeah. um, have you had any other experiences with it? And do you think that opened you up to a more spiritual thing? And do you think it made you closer to your spirituality? So, yeah, I guess that's my question really great question mm -hmm. um I, yes in college i did i think mushrooms and acid i've done several times it wasn't a lifelong thing but you know i went to fish shows embarrassingly enough i mean not whatever like, it's just not who i am now i mean no no you know judgment but um you know i went to dead i actually saw jerry garcia oh wow guys this is how old i am for, for, for the babies um but yeah so no, I wouldn't say that it made me more spiritual. I think when I was doing those things, I was in a very dark place mm. of self-loathing and low self-esteem. Um, it did make me think about the brain, as I said there. Like, it made me wonder, like, how can my brain create things that I know are not real? There was no fear, but I did. I remember also in that same, it was someone's apartment, and I remember, like, watching, their, they had an iguana in a cage, and all of a sudden, the cage started breathing but like not only did it expand and contract i heard it breathing like i heard yeah and i'm like i know that i'm hallucinating this there's no, i know that but how is my brain i'm looking at it and it's happening mm -hmm. so it does make you wonder and it confuses me too because i also am really interested in ayahuasca trips and mm -hmm. i'm always like i wonder if you are actually being taken into cat hair everywhere. Um, I wonder if you are being taken into another dimension. Some people say, yes, you're communing with spirit. But then I'm also like, but then at the same time, if, you're, if your brain is being altered by a chemical, then does that also show that it's actually your brain creating these realities? It's so mind boggling. And it kind of, it kind of makes me unsettled because it makes me think, oh no, what if, there is something in the brain that makes everyone have a near-death experience that's just brain chemicals going crazy i don't believe it just because of the consistency and the patterns but well i mean like it, you know yeah. you know i think like with with something like dmt for example which is like what your brain does release a large amount of when you are dying um everyone sees the same thing which is like you know people like people have a very hard time uh, i think because like when people have like death or near death or rather death experiences or I guess you'd play near death because if you, you know, or died or came back or whatever, yeah. it's like it's more clear because the event that's associated with what's happening is so um, traumatic. You know what I mean? So I, I think mm -hmm. that like it's kind of like a, you know, thinking like when you have a dream that you find to be profound and you think about it afterwards for like a few minutes, you'll remember it. But if you just let it go, you'll totally forget even what you saw. 
And so people who know, I, I've not, I've done every psychedelic in excess, but I've not done DMT. Uh, not, not, not for lack of trying, it's just access. I've not, I don't really know where to find it, but, um, but like people always describe the same type of figures. It's like, this kind of like, there's like a commonality of everybody that does it. And it makes me want, cause again, I mean, it, like even saying that like, you know, when you die, it would release that chemical makes it then invalid that that chemical could therefore be the other side or spirits or whatever. It's like more like perhaps you again like perhaps you are like perhaps you you, you know this this chemical that ex like dmt exists in every living thing like mm -hmm. like you can you could theoretically make any living thing into this chemical you know like plants plants are full of it um yeah. but like in order to synthesize it it's a whole other uh, process but um also you have something there's something in your i think it's in your stomach that breaks it down that like keeps you from eating like a salad and tripping balls you know? it's like <laughs> that's why they yeah that that's right that it's that chemical yeah that, and that's and that's actually why they call that's why they call it the god molecule mm -hmm. because which is so interesting too yeah i i, I think that god in us and maybe that's what that molecule is you have to wonder right and 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 so like you know and point being that like i i think psychedelics you know i, I think that dmt i think is sort of like the end-all be-all but certainly like on psychedelics like it's useful in terms of like I think just dissociatives in general are useful, like just to get out of your own way sometimes mm -hmm. and see yourself like kind of more objectively. And I think that that's because um, like I think like, you know, the the um, the enemy of like being a spiritual person is like your own ego, you know, and and or like to, and that doesn't have to even mean ego in the in the sense that we think of it, but just your sense of self, you know, which yeah. is like we're our own all of our own self-perceptions are so skewed it's like you know we we are always thinking about what the other person thinks about us and we're never right they're not really thinking about you they're thinking about themselves and what they look like to you it's like it's this kind of incredible vicious cycle but i think that if you can finally stop that cycle um it can really make you realize that you know the, the you know uh you know, kind of with spirituality, like, you know, your conception of what reality is, it's like, you know, you can be so fried and, you know, who knows if that fish tank was breathing or the iguana tank. It's like, I mean, who, who really knows? I mean, and that's maybe, maybe molecule because actually part of all of this and what people learn on the other side is that the things that we think are solid are not well, we and, and science, we know that this microphone over here, which you can't see, mm -hmm. it's made up of atoms and molecules like but it's hard you know when we feel it when we touch it it's hard but really there's spaces between those molecules that so like the idea is that it's actually just an illusion that everything's solid i mean scientifically and spiritually the idea that all of this is matter is actually just sort of an illusion mm -hmm. which is really weird but um and so and that people say when they leave their bodies they realize that they are so expansive their their soul is just you can even do dmt meditations which i do all the time which not that you're on dmt but it stimulates the pineal gland which also releases some dmt and i do it and i actually did it last night and i start to see visions like i don't know it, the minute i start playing binaural beats which i also recommend for anyone which kind of opened me up to all of this is the one of the first times I tried it, I was listening to binaural beats sober and I'm just lying down and all of a sudden I jumped up and I'm like, and Jeff, my boyfriend goes, what, what happened? I'm like, 
I literally just went somewhere else. I said, I was standing in a snowy, like it looked like a Robert Frost poem. I was in a snowy wood with these like old timey lamps. And I'm looking through this house with these windows and there are candles in the windows. And I watched the snowfall. And I said, it felt like, I mean, obviously I knew I wasn't really there, but it, it was vivid, like, so it was like I was looking at my room. And I've also been able to remote view, which is one other thing I wanna make sure I mention, because I, I, I think it's really cool and I think everyone can do it actually. Um, I learned that I could, after that happened, I'm like, I could close my eyes and still see the room. Mm -hmm. Obviously that's partly memory, right? Like, but literally like there are times where I closed my eyes and I started to be like, wait, I can literally see the detail and everything with my eyes closed. So I took it further because I'm like, well, that could be my memory, right? That could be because I know this room so well. Well, I was doing a practice reading recently and I said to the woman, you know what? Just because I'm kind of like losing steam here, I'm going to ask your mother and spirit to show me your house. I want to look around. So I did like a thing where I kind of like visualize it. And I said, okay, in your house, is there a hallway that and I have, I'm doing it now just to relive it. I'm like, there's this hallway and at one end is your bedroom. And on the other end, there's this other room. And I said, and I feel, and I can see it. It has so much clutter. I said, no judgment, but it's the clutter room. You don't know what to do with things. That's where it is. There's like a suitcase in there. There are clothes piled up. And I said, and on the right-hand side, there's a dresser and a Raggedy Ann doll there. And she goes, do you want to see the room? We're on Zoom. She takes her laptop. We walk in the room. There's Raggedy Ann sitting on her freaking dresser. She's a 60 year old woman. She doesn't kids. Not only that, there is a suitcase in there. She, and I, there is, there are clothes everywhere. And I, I even said the bed doesn't have a proper comforter on it. It has like, I, that was my first going, okay, this, that mic, like that, that was my own like spirit mic drop where I'm like, okay, whatever this is, I don't know how we do this, but. I don't know if it's spiritual, if it's just part of our ability as a human being that we're unaware of. But if you meditate enough, you can go into people's house. I've done it and I've been doing it more in my readings where I say, I'm going, I wanna see your, they'll, I'll say you have a child. Let me imagine, like, let me go into her bedroom and I'll say, I see athletic medals and she's got braces and this happened. And the woman was like, yeah, she is playing soccer. She did just get braces. I'm like, she's got a blonde ponytail. I see her in soccer clothes. How did I do How do I do that? Mm -hmm. I describe the personalities of each of her children. I don't know how, but I'm in her house somehow. I'm looking around. I said, don't worry, I'm not looking in your underwear drawers, but somehow <laughs> I'm able to see into your house. Are you not always. To, are you able to see yourself in third person? No, that would be cool. However, during one of those binaural beats meditations, I also started to feel the out of body thing happening. You know how people on YouTube will be like, Here's how you astral travel. Well, I, I've never quite gotten there, but there was a time when I, I started to feel the vibration and then I started to feel a lift and I'm like, and then I got freaked out and stopped. But there's yeah. something happening with the detachment of the soul versus the body. I don't know how it works. I, I, it's, it's weird. Cause you were talking about that. And I remembered a very vivid memory of like that happening to me. And it, like, cause I remember like where I was and what was going on, uh, not, not traveling around, but actually like like I, could, I was still seeing out my eyes, but I literally could like see, it was like, I became suddenly very conscious of like how I was moving and what I was doing. But I, like, I, I mean, I, we uh, went to a Starbucks. I was super like over caffeinated, which I think might've activated something, but, and I was in a sharper image when those existed, which I'm like dating myself now. 
And then, mm-hmm. um, and then it was weird. It was like, I, I couldn't get it to stop either. It was like, I, I could see like the top of my head and my movements. And it was, I felt like I wasn't in control of my body. And it was like, uh, very unsettling because I, I didn't really know what was going on. And I thought like, am I having like a seizure or like what's, what's happening or, or something or something medical I thought it was. And then it yeah. eventually just kind of snapped back in, but it was so vivid. And I mean, and this, I was probably like nine or 10, I mean, or like maybe mm-hmm. 12, I don't know, but it was, it was so, so weird. And, uh, and, uh, I've experienced that same feeling, um, with ketamine, that one, like really just, you can drift out and like see yourself laying there. It's, it, it's, but you'll, your eyes oh, are closed, but it's like, but it like, it's, I mean, it's, it's a shame to have to use something that powerful to get to that point again, but yeah. it's a very, uh, like, like it can be like a useful experience, especially if you're, you know, attached, like, you know, cause you know, being like, like, you know, depression or whatever, uh, not necessarily clinical, but just some, sometimes if it gets worse, you know, it's connected to your ego a bit and, you know, like, and sometimes just having to break that loop of shitty thoughts, you know? And so when you can look at mm-hmm. that loop from a little bit of a distance, it can sort of be like, oh, well you can shatter it and get, get out of that mess. I wanted to ask you, um, do you think that dreams have utility? Yes. Um, in fact, Here's another really cool thing. Um, so dreams are our brains processing everything that's going on. But isn't it weird how our dreams are like, it's like someone wrote a script based on what we're feeling, but changed all the details in the yeah. perfect sequence so that we're able to see it. Like that in itself is, even if it, even if that's just the brain, that's amazing. Yeah. But here's what's really cool too is visitations. So a lot of people will say, well, I dreamed about my you know loved one in spirit. If it's just a dream where you and your loved one are like at a carnival and you're eating corn dogs and then you run into Barney and the big purple dinosaur Barney and like all of a sudden like someone like Jim Morrison's there, that's not a visitation probably. I mean, unless it's really significant to you. But the thing about visitations is that spirits can come to you in dreams and you'll know. And it's only happened to me one time, um, It's hap- but it feels different. And for my, my experience, and often they'll come to you on an important date or something, or if you're in grief or something really significant is going on. Mine happened um, couple, maybe a couple years ago where it wasn't, it didn't feel like a dream. It was like, I'm asleep. And then all of a sudden I just walk up to this little table and my grandfather's sitting there and he's young and they usually appear younger because they're not going to show you, like they're not going to come to you as an old crone. Like they want you to see them in their best, like when they're glowing and happy at their best time in their life. And I see him and he's like glowing. He looks like he's 45. He's wearing this fuzzy cashmere, like, um, which he wouldn't have worn. I don't, it was like a baby blue sweater. And I could, and my grandma was sitting there. She's in spirit too, but she was sitting just sort of next to him, kind of sitting back. And I just walked up to him and I said, grandpa, you look so beautiful. You look, I'm like, I can see, and I could see every in his face I could see and I I said you're so real and he just didn't say anything he just smiled and he just hugged me and it was I just got the biggest chills again he hugged me and all we did was hug and I said you feel so real it's so real and I was looking at his eyes and I could see every wrinkle like every little eye crease and every little pore and that was it. it and then I woke up and so then I'm going through my day and I just look at the calendar and I'm like, okay, it's March 21st. It's my grandfather's birthday today. It didn't even occur to me. And Hmm. that's, I didn't, I haven't, you know, he's been gone for so many years, like 
I do, it feels like yesterday, but it's probably been like 15 years. And so I wasn't tuned into his birthday. I hadn't thought about it. It was, then I heard a medium say, oh, they'll usually come to you on their birthday or something. And I'm like, well, that makes perfect sense because that was not a dream. It was like, it I'm, I saw him as clear as day and I felt him and the hug felt so real. So look out for those too. Um, so it helps process, yes, but it also can be a way for a spirit to communicate with you. And they might also show you something. Um, the night before, let's see, September, what was it? September 10th, the year of, uh, you know, 9-11. Mm -hmm. uh, I, woke, I woke up from a really bad dream. I called my mom. I said, I had this horrible dream that I was in New York City and there were all these tall buildings and there were planes and bombs dropping and people were running. And I said, and I was just running through the tall buildings and I couldn't get away. And I said, and, for, and it was like Iraq was bombing us. And she said, well, that's not going to happen. I mean, that's so unlikely. And she said, and, and you know, but what it was then this might, so this might've been the September 10th when I told her this. And I, she's like, there's no way that they could attack us like that. Um, or, and I said, okay, but it was so real that I actually talked to her about it. Then of course, September 11th, we're woken up at 6.30 or whatever by a friend saying, turn on the news. And I looked at the screen and I called my mom. I said, mom, that's, it happened. And she said, well, it wasn't Iraq. I said, I, I know, but it did have to do with the Iraq war. You know, so I think, I don't know, a lot of people had that experience in that dream. Now, I don't know if it was my spirit people or just a universal consciousness. It, it was such a powerful consciousness that I think all of us felt it in some way, like something was off. And I think sometimes your loved ones will warn you or tell you something. And, and in those cases, not to, because there's anything you can do about it. That was just, I think, the universal energy of something. This was, maybe it had happened before in another dimension, whatever it was, I think we all knew it. But I think they also come to you sometimes if there's something you need to know, like they might come to you in a dream and say, get to the doctor, check your liver or something. Yeah. Just sometimes they will turn up like that. I, I, I've i often wondered, or like, um, also too, like, what, like you know, things that are, uh, things that like were traumatic or experiences, like why sometimes dreams will like force you to like live them over and over and over again. Yeah. And I don't really have an answer to that. I, I'm curious if like, because I mean, have you ever had that experience where it's like things you feel like you've dealt with and it just, it just it, it, like, it just keeps, you keep dreaming about it, dreaming about it and dreaming yeah. about it. Well, my sister and I found out that we have the exact same dream that and now, again, everyone has, I just talked to my friend the other day and we're like, you know, the dream where you're still in high school, but you don't know what cla your class schedule is. And you're trying to find the administrative office because you don't know. She's like, I have that every, I'm like, I literally have it every night. And I find out that I didn't graduate. And that I think is just sort of like a processing of just sort of like forgetting where you are in life while you're asleep. And there's all this past stuff happening but my sister and i were talking about how we both have the exact same dream where we're on it's never just oh i'm in hawaii on a beautiful vacation it's always uh, we have to pack and there's never enough like there's the more we try to pack to catch the plane the more stuff shows up and there's more to pack and then there's suitcases and she's like i have that packing dream like every single night <laughs> both of us have moved a lot i don't know what it is but we both have this theme of we're missing a plane we're on a flight or or i or i'm in um uh in some beautiful place costa rica and we're all there but like my parents are there and they're like 
I say, come on, let's go exploring. And all they want to do is sit in the hotel room mm. and the whole trip is over. And then they're like, time to get on the plane. And I say, but we didn't do anything. We just, and it's like the same dream every single night. What that is about is probably about how I want to go travel again. I want to go to Costa Rica, but I feel like money is a hindrance. COVID's a hindrance. Um, I can't really get anyone on board to do this with me. So that might just be my brain over and over processing you know, that, but it could also be a message of something you're ignoring. If it is something that's deeper rooted that you haven't addressed in therapy or through self exploration, it could also be, Hey, you need to pay attention to this. In my case, these dreams just feel like me processing, wanting to be free and wanting to like, just go without having all this, these burdens of, Oh, but I have to work or my partner has to work or I have to take luggage you can't just go it's always an ordeal however the one thing i'll say is everyone who has died and come back is like when you're over there if you want to go to costa rica you just you just go you just yeah. you just think it and you're there no more luggage no more baggage yeah you don't have to get on a flight it's all smooth sailing so i tell myself that that one day if i want to go i'll just go mm -hmm. i'll just float on over there mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a nice. That's a nice way to look at it. Um, uh, well, you got another question, Mister? Oh, there was uh, another thing that because we've talked a lot about other people having like shared near death experiences. Um, yes. On on your latest one, you talked about how you had sort of um, like a, a a medication issue that you took two together, yeah. and you experienced mm -hmm. something like that. And I think. The, the the motion that that struck me is is you did this with your hands you said this is how i felt and you mm -hmm. were slowly drifting oh. away from yourself uh, i just want to ask you more about that experience and and what that yeah, did for again, your perspective did, thanks yeah i didn't um i didn't actually you know go to another i threw up before <laughs> before i got anywhere but i had i had mixed ibuprofen and um naproxen i had endometriosis pain i took these two pills all of a sudden I started to feel, I was getting ready for work and I couldn't feel my hands anymore. And then suddenly I couldn't feel my feet. And then the tingling and the numbness went all the way up my extremities and just started to be like, it was like, you know what it was like? Michael J. Fox in Back to the Future when they look at, he looks at the picture of himself and he's just slowly fading. It was like, my hands were gone, my arms were gone, my legs were gone. And then all of a sudden this blackness enveloped me and there was like a pinprick of light at the middle of it. It was like not the tunnel, but I felt myself being swallowed up in it. And instead of panicking, I thought, oh, okay, this is how I die. I'm about to die right now. And I was so peaceful. I was so calm. I felt like I was just falling backwards, like gently falling into a warm blanket. It felt so peaceful. Granted, it, was, it would have been a peaceful way to die since there was no trauma involved and it happened so fast. But then I barfed and it was all over. <laughs> but um, this kind of, I feel like I was, I was drift, I was going. I was feel, and I was falling into it almost like slow motion in the movies where they show someone falling back onto some silk, like some silk mattress, uh, silk covered mattress. It felt so warm. I just felt so at peace and so warm. And that was it. And then I, you know, I didn't go further than that. I didn't cross the threshold. Hmm. Very interesting. But, I just wanted to hear a little bit more about that because that struck me from from that episode. Yeah, from that what fantastic. I understand, dying is not painful. 
what's painful is whatever events leading up to it, even life. But, you know, obviously it depends on how you die, whether you feel pain. But a lot of times for that, I think something I think is really com um, comforting is, you know, I always have a, a fear of like, oh my God, dying in a plane crash would be so scary and awful and or drowning or, you know, obviously being murdered or something horrible. But everyone who dies, a lot of times when they have a trauma, like they were in a plane crash or something, they or they were drowning. Actually, a lot of people have drowned. They all said that their spirit actually left before getting a, a woman I, I have become friends with that was hit by a truck. It's like, um, it's their, their spirit leaves before they even know what happened. It's like, it, somehow you're spared that moment of impact. It's like one minute you're there and the next minute you're like, did I just die? What happened? Which is, which is kind of a nice thought. Um, and also people who drown have said it is the most peaceful way to die. You would not think so. But once they just surrender to it, and I'm not advocating this, I'm not <laughs> advocating that anyone do this, but they said it wasn't like you would think. You would think, oh my God, you'd be struggling and panicking. And once they just let the water into their lungs, they felt their soul lifted and they just were gone. And I like that idea because it takes some of the fear out of all the horrible things that can happen in this life. Um, it doesn't mean we, you know, I still would, you know, there's so many horrible ways that you could die, but I think that somehow you're spared up until the moment. I mean, obviously, you know, there are a lot of circumstances that are, that are awful, but, um, and you don't want them to go through them. But I, but I do, it is comforting to know that when you die, I've heard dying is not painful at all. Dying is the most beautiful feeling you'll ever, ever have in your life. So look, even if we're wrong, even if I'm wrong, and let's say there's nothing, all, we're not gonna know. So why not believe it now? Let yourself exactly it. enjoy just, no, it's all gonna be good when I die. And then when you die, if the last thing you know is that you felt amazing and peaceful, who cares? Like, I'd rather just keep believing it. I don't wanna hear why you think near-death experiences are all a chemical thing in the head. It doesn't serve me. I'd rather, I believe it. I really, I believe it logically, but I also would just prefer to believe it because life is hard. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's a, uh, um, it's, it's a, uh, like, you know, you're, you're talking about drowning and I actually have a lot of friends that were, uh, uh, were or are lifeguards and they say that like, when you see somebody who's drowning lifeguards, like they're not uh, flailing. Like you, like in movies, it's like flailing. It's just like, yeah. you just watch their head sort of start to go underneath. And like, so you know the person's like really going because it's like, it's not what it's portrayed in movies at all. It's like, you look for the person that isn't flailing. Like they're, they're the one that's in big trouble. So that probably is like part of, part of the experience is like you, you do, I think that like you just, you start to, like I, I think you sort of know when to give up sometimes, you know, it's like where, yeah, yeah. this is kind of, kind of it. And I think that like probably, I, would, I mean, I, we would never really know what it's like to die in a plane crash, but it's like, I would imagine it would be similar. I have a feeling I'd laugh <laughs> I just think it was funny. Like, yeah, well, all right, this makes Maybe. sense. I think the worst part would be the plummeting. Mm -hmm. And then it, my mom always said to me, I was like, I, what, I don't want to die in a plane crash. She said, but you wouldn't even know. Like you, you, when you hit the ground, you wouldn't know. And it's hard for us to imagine. What do you mean? I wouldn't know. Mm -hmm. I'm being blown to smithereens. Like, how could I not feel it? But you don't, I mean, I don't know. I'm, but even if you do, it's so fast. I mean, the likelihood of you not being knocked unconscious at the very least, like while you die right. is, is so low, you know? Well, and that's the thing you forget. So the worst part is the fear. Mm -hmm. Fear is real. That's the fear and anxiety. And that's true of all things in life. Some, well, most things, most things, most things are worse 
worrying about them than they actually are when they happen. I mean, anxiety and fear can be worse than an, an incident itself. Obviously, that excludes severe trauma and abuse and sure. violence. I mean, I don't, I'm not saying that, but you know, in, in general, most things we're really, really nervous about turn out to not be as bad as we thought it was. So if we're living our whole life in fear of death, we're wasting a lot of energy mm-hmm. because I'm 99.9% positive that death is not something to be feared. It's something that we fear because we don't want, I don't want to lose you. I don't want to lose my mom. I don't want to lose somebody I love and care about because that's the pain. I mean, that's, that's what I fear is going through grief. The grief is the worst part. Mm-hmm. But if you're the person leaving, you're all good. And, and in fact, a lot of people who go to the other side say on the other side, there is no good or bad. There's no judgment of good or bad. It just is. And so what we think here is bad. There's no value of bad there. Hmm. It's all just a life lesson. And what Peter Panagorst, it's all God's wink or the wink of God. Our lives here, when you're on the other side, you see that it's that fast. So people are like, why would I come here to struggle? And why would my soul choose to go through this horrible circumstance only to suffer? Well, the answer on the other side is because when your soul chooses it, because they're like, I want to go into this life and I need to learn this lesson. So I'm going to choose this hardship, which is another belief I have. Um, You know, you can't imagine, but why would I choose that? Why would I choose to have a loved one murdered or have, you know, lose a child or something? Well, it's because on the other side, they're like, oh, it's just going to take a second. Don't worry about it. You know, like to us, it's a hundred years of pain. Mm-hmm. But on the other side, it's like, no, it's just one quick lesson. Just do that and then come back. And once you're on the other side, you're like, oh, oh, okay. Yeah, it wasn't not to dismiss, you know, or like minimize anyone's pain or horrible things that happen because it's awful. But that's that's sort of the attitude on the other side is it isn't our lives are so fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's that's like the way that I've always thought about it. And it's it's also like, I you know, even for like from a very young age, I've never been afraid of, of dying. Like and I don't know if it's like because of, I, you know, I've tried to find a lot of logical explanations for it. Like for a long time, it was like, OK, well, your brain's not fully formed till you're 25. And like maybe I'll grasp the permanence of that or whatever. And then now I'm 30 and I still feel the exact same way. Like <laughs> the fear of death is just not there. Um, okay. the, the feeling of like impermanence doesn't scare me. In fact, I find it kind of a relief. Uh, like, you know, when people say like, oh, wouldn't you want to live forever? Fuck out of here. No way. No way. Like, I am no not, way. I am not, when it, like the exit will be much appreciated. You know what I mean? Like, not like I'm <laughs> miserable or anything, but it's just sort of yeah. like, like if, if, like, you know, cause you mentioned it earlier, it's like if death just is nothing, like a black void, well, it's like, I didn't remember being born. So if it was like that, which was probably pretty great, uh, mm-hmm. I'll take that on the other end too. If it's something beyond that, that would be even more awesome. It's like totally. Yeah fine with me but it's like again like you mentioned like suffering and 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 like kind of like we're you know sometimes it does feel like we are here to to suffer but my my question for you is is two two things like why why do we like number one is why are people so afraid of death and dying it's always like you know because i would ask people these questions but when you ask people that question it also scares the shit out of them and then the other thing is, why do we fetishize death with funerals in the West? Like, I find it to be mm. this weird, weird ceremony that is so for the living and so pointless. Yeah. So th- those two questions. Oh, yeah. Those. OK, well, um, uh, OK, so one is that when people fetishize, it's people uh, do these, these things for themselves. OK, so like when people say, oh, I go to my daughter's grave every day, you, you do that for you. You don't have to do that. Your daughter is not 
there at the gravesite. Do you think I'm going to leave my body and go to the other side and like hang out at my gravesite? No, I'm going to be with my loved ones in spirit. I'm going to be lingering around. Uh, you know, I'm going to be with them, and I'm also going to be on the other in the other dimension, floating around, feeling great, um, and doing what I love to do, whatever that may be. So, um, one, the fear of death is a the unknown. Even I, even though I be believe a hundred percent that I know, I don't. That's not the truth. That's my truth. I, that's my belief. It's not the absolute truth because I don't. I can't. I don't know that. Mm -hmm. So people are afraid of death because a. Um, we're attached to these lives and these bodies that we're in. We're attached to the people we love. We form families. We have this survival instinct to survive. That I think is just bio. I mean, that's just a biological thing to keep our species going. So it's ingrained in us to be afraid of death. That's why, obviously, if a tiger comes after, you know, an alpaca or something, they're going to run um, and try to save their lives. But the thing, too, is that we also experience grief when someone dies. So to us, it's this horrible because obviously it's like the biggest pain we could ever feel is to lose someone that we're connected with. So, but I think more than that, people are afraid of what they don't know. It's like, what's going to happen to me? Am I going to, is nothing going to happen? How do I go from this sentient being with all these thoughts and passions and feelings to just dead? And what does that all mean? And, and like, so it just, the light just goes out and that's it. That then what's, then what's it all for? I mean, it's very easy to get depressed when you think of it that way it's depressing and scary. And I have a, a very close friend who's an atheist and he gets very depressed about, he's terrified to die. And I think, and it makes me sad because it's like, it, it just has such a hold on you. So there's the fear, there's the fear of death. And then you said there was a second question. Just like fetishizing, like, like just fetishizing. funerals, like, like just like this idea of, of a funeral and like just this, like it seems to make make the the grieving process worse. I mean, it's like almost like like the, and then also we find dead bodies to be like disgusting, even though it's somebody we loved. It's it's really, really weird. I, 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 well, it is weird because they're lifeless, and and I think the ritual is, it's first of all we're just human beings are ritualistic. We just traditionally do things, or we you know, there's something about the tradition, and I think that like for instance, funerals themselves are the value in them is coming together with everyone who loved that person and honoring them. And that's normal. You know, that makes perfect sense. I personally have been like, I want to turn me to ash, do whatever you want. Mm -hmm. I don't, it doesn't matter. I mean, just, I don't want to take up space in the ground mm -hmm. and take up a lot space. It's, I think, again, it comes back to that religion of wanting everything to fit in a box of like, well, these are the traditions and these are the rules. And when we pass, we need to burn the body on a, a, you know, a funeral pyre or else they're not going to go to the other side. I think someone just sort of mm -hmm. creates these things to make themselves more comfortable with what they don't know. It's mm -hmm. easier to say, we're going to make these, these set of rules that's like, well, if we bury them in this way or we anoint them in this way, their soul will go on. I think it's just a way of having control over something we don't have control over and feeling comforted in the ritual of it. And, and also just closure. And I think it's great to have a memorial and have, say goodbye, join with your loved ones, celebrate that person's life, cry, grieve, hug, all that stuff. But I do think that there is there is a big fear around death and I think it's all our need to control it in whatever way that we can by giving it a name and giving it ritual. Yeah. It just makes us feel more in control of the whole process. Yeah. 
Yeah, that makes makes a lot of sense. I got one last question for you, unless you got any more. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, do you think this country? Well, I'll really take about this country just because uh, uh, it's uh, right in front of our face. Do you think this country yeah. is in a spiritual crisis? Um, no, I actually feel that this oh, cool. country is in a. I actually feel that we are in a spiritual ascension period. Um, I believe that everything that's gone down in the last few years is. I just felt a big chill again. It's all breaking us down to build something better, um, meaning that things have to be shaken up. Um, and actually more and more people are becoming spiritual, which is surprising to me. I, I didn't realize how many people actually do believe in this stuff. I always thought most people don't, but it's actually not true statistically, at least by studies. Um, but I think that what's happening is even though it looks ugly on the surface with all this division and this anger and this tearing down of, of, of uh, um, systems in place, um, and the pandemic and you know all of these things that seem really scary, it's actually um, happening for a reason, which is to help us confront. We all have had to, it's very confronting for one thing. We've all had to confront our dark, the dark and the light We've in ourselves, in other people. We've had to, um, and, and there's been so much division, but I think that what's happening is it's happening because we needed to shake things up. I mean, look, there are things that do need to be addressed, you know, that um, have been ignored for too long. And then there are also just systems in place that aren't working. But then there, and then there's also just confronting our own, who am I and what do I believe? And having to sort of learn to stand firm in our beliefs when the rest of the world is disagree, when a lot of, when you're not, it's not a popular opinion. There are so many things, um, I think it's all kind of shaking us up to help us all evolve spiritually, even though we don't realize it. Um, and I think, and I've heard that too from a lot of spiritual people as well, that this is actually, it's like, it actually literally is the age of Aquarius. Um, and it's, it's actually an enlightened, it's actually a Renaissance, like a, a spiritual Renaissance. Yes. We're all, we went from like screaming and anger and fear and, um, division, but it's, I, I believe that it's all ultimately in our greater good. Um, and again, not to minimize anyone's losses during this time or say like, oh, it's all for a reason, just no problem. But, but I think that from a spiritual perspective, it is helping us all grow, evolve, find compassion, find forgiveness, find self-healing and break down systems that weren't working and build them back up. And I don't mean like even just political systems or anything like that. I think just what's not working here. Something, obviously people are angry and there's a reason. So I think it is worth addressing that that there are people that are upset for a reason and like we do need to to look at the way that we interact with one another treat one another but at the end of the day i hope that the ultimate thing that we all take from it is we've all had to learn compassion we've all had to learn patience we've had to learn to go okay let's remember that we are all this is what i've done you know i'm not a political party i am a soul and you are a soul namaste namaste means like the light in me sees the light in you. And that's mm-hmm. been very difficult during this time, but I think it's actually challenged us to all step up and try to put our differences aside and work together as a human race. And not everyone's gonna be on board, but we can do what we have to do. You know, yeah. we, we could all be the change that we wanna see. And I mean, from a spiritual perspective, show yeah. kindness, show tolerance, show compassion, we can criticize, we can have debates, healthy debates. We can talk about our differences. We can bandy about ideas. But at the end of the day, 
we really have to remember that like all this screaming and yelling is not what we're about. That's not what we're here. This is all a stage play. And I will leave you with Laura Lynn Jackson, who is a wonderful medium. She was actually on that Surviving Death documentary, if you saw it. Um, and she said, what happens is, this is all a stage play. And when we die, we all finish the play and we all go backstage and we meet up for the after party. It's like, we're, we're all gonna end up there at the end of the day. This is all just a chess game. It's all just maneuvers and things happening, but it's actually all an illusion and it's all just earth school and that's what it is. I love that. That's a very optimistic view of everything. And I think I'm mm -hmm. going to I'm going to at least feel that for the next few days before <laughs> I descend radically back into cynicism. Yeah, um, it's, but, it's easy to do. But yeah, well, I think we all just got to try harder on that. But it sounds like I, I very much like your pers perspective. And I so appreciate you coming on. Uh, yeah, and, Shannon, we adore you. Yes. And we'll um, I adore you too. I'm so honored. I'm this is I'm so excited to actually be on the fruit basket. <laughs> the fruit basket. <laughs> Um, so, uh, Shannon's, uh, uh, podcast is called magic is real. It's on the podcast app. And then I have her YouTube link, uh, below this video that you can click in the description. Um, and then, uh, Shannon stick around after, uh, when I put the intro up, cause we're, we'll talk for a second afterwards. But, uh, anyway, we're going to say goodbye to the audience. We love you all. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Namaste. Namaste.